So in our previous post, we had talked about uh, the idea of the uh, falling away, or apostasia as it is in the Greek there, and the questions revolved around whether or not that term, falling away, or apostasia, spoke of a um, departing of, from the faith, you know, apostasy, where we get our English word apostasy from, uh, or if it was referring more to a reference to the rapture, the idea that uh, this departing was actually the church departing the world. And so um, there is a growing number of people uh, nowadays that are seeing that as, as a reference to the rapture. But I did mention in that post that, that I tend to think that really, uh, I'm not really quite there with the rapture connection. I can see where that, that, can be, that could be seen, but uh, it does seem to me that uh, the idea there is that of a departing from the faith, the idea of uh, apostasy as we would traditionally think of it. Like Paul would talk about, different word what he uses in 1 Timothy chapter 4 when he talks about in the latter times there will be those who will depart from the faith and give heed to deceiving spirits and such. Uh, but same concept and, and the terms uh, that are each used in those two passages do have definitions that are very similar in terms of departing or separating from. But the idea there was that it um, the, the, the idea of um, falling away in, in, uh, in uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, 2.3 or whether it is uh, 1 Timothy 4, those, those ideas seem to imply the idea of a volition on the part of the, the one falling away in that. There seems to be implied that. Again, not to read too much into it, and again, I see the arguments that could be made for it pointing to the rapture. It's just I tend to think that really what's in view there is, uh, is more departing from the faith. And so, uh, anyway, so we talked about that, and uh, a couple of questions came up uh, out of that, which I thought were really good. I thought I'd go ahead and, and uh, speak to it. One actually comes from Michael, and it, uh, the question is, um, what is your understanding of the Word of God in regard to the rapture? Do you believe that it is an appointed time, or do you believe that it could happen uh, at any time? Um, I, I am one of those guys that holds to the imminent concept of the rapture, the idea that Jesus could come at any time. Uh, as opposed to the uh, second coming, where there is all kinds of things that have to happen prior to the second coming. Uh, sometimes there is a, uh, a view that, that the rapture and the second coming, or the passages, I should say, that refer to the rapture and the second coming are actually referring to the same event. Um, not, uh, not, not separate events, but happening simultaneously, but even the same event. Um, I, I would differ from both of those views, actually. I, I don't think it happens, uh, I don't think the rapture and the second coming are the same event. And I don't think that the rapture happens immediately prior to the second coming. I think that there's actually a space between the rapture of the church and the second coming. Um, and just to elaborate for just a moment on that, because I can't help but going on a little bit of an elaborating tangent. But the second coming clearly has a lot of um, a lot of descriptors to it. There's a lot of events that have to happen uh, prior to the second coming. Um, matter of fact, I would argue that Daniel which is, of course, a rich source of information and insight when it comes to last day's prophecy, um, gives us very specific insight in regard to not only the first coming of Christ, but the second coming of Christ. Uh, and this would be uh, found in, in uh, Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, where Daniel is given a prophecy that deals with his people and their holy city. So in other words, Israel, or the Jews, and Jerusalem. Uh, they are the focal point of that prophecy. And 
uh, there is uh, in, in this prophecy, uh, matter of fact, the prophecy is known as Daniel's 70-week prophecy, which means that there are 70 periods of seven years that are dealing specifically with Israel, and there seems to be a gap between the 69th and 70th week. The first 69 weeks lead us up to the arrival of Messiah. And the reason I say that we can know the exact time of his first coming is because those 483 years, or 173,880 days, um, lead us from the point that Daniel mentions, or that is given to Daniel, the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the arrival of Messiah the Prince, Messiah the King, really. And that would be that certain number of days. And so when Jesus, for example, in, in Luke 19, is weeping over the city and saying and, and speaking about their upcoming doom and destruction because they did not recognize this their day, uh, he was not speaking in general terms that they just simply didn't you know, accept Messiah's arrival and that kind of thing uh, in, in general. It certainly meant that. But very specifically, the day that Jesus chose to ride into Jerusalem and proclaim himself, present himself as Messiah, was the day that Daniel had predicted, literally down to the day. And so that being said, um, that, that first coming was predicted down to the day. I would argue that the second coming is also predicted down to the day. Uh, that 70th week, that last seven-year period of time, which also deals specifically with Israel, starts with a very specific event as well. The signing of a peace covenant between the one that we would later come to understand to be known as the beast, or we refer to him as the Antichrist, um, would sign a peace covenant with Israel. And that peace covenant will be for that 70th week. That's that last seven year period of time. As a matter of fact, in the middle of that, Daniel 9.27 goes on to say, he will violate or, or break that covenant and cause the uh, offerings and sacrifices to cease. This is why we think that this covenant that he signs with, um, uh, with Israel has to do with the rebuilding of their temple, uh, the reinstituting of sacrifices, giving them the freedom to do that. And so, um, so from that, we gather that that 70th week will begin with the signing of that peace covenant. It will probably involve uh, letting Israel rebuild their temple um, and, and reinstitute sacrifices. So he'll break the covenant in the middle of the week or at the three and a half year point. And at that point, it will become clear to Israel that this is in fact the Antichrist. Um, for any, anyone who is biblically astute, who's around at that time, um, would be able to say, well, the signing of the peace covenant with Israel um, would mark the beginning of the breaking that that first seal in Revelation 6, the uh, the revelation of Antichrist on the scene, although Israel will not believe, uh, well, they will believe he's their Messiah until he violates the covenant and begins to persecute them, as we read about in places like Revelation 12, uh, or even Zechariah 13, you could say. So, now, the reason I say if there are those who are biblically astute around, and I don't just come out and say the church, is because I believe the church is gone by that point. Uh, and this is where we talk about the rapture. Because that 70th week deals specifically with Israel, and because of other passages, places like, um, 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 you know, the um, uh, Romans chapter 11, where it talks about the fullness of the Gentiles coming in. Uh, there's a point at which God ceases to work through the church on earth, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit active in the church on earth, and once again turns his attention to Israel as the focal point of his purposes unfolding and also whom he's using in those last uh, seven years. This is why in the book of Revelation, after chapter uh, four, we don't see the church anymore until Revelation 19, 
when the church returns with the Lord to establish his kingdom, when he establishes his kingdom and we rule and reign along with him. But in, uh, in, um, uh, in Romans, or not Romans, Revelation 6 through 19, we see uh, the 144,000 from the uh, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel specifically. We see the woman who is mentioned, who gives birth to the man-child. The woman is Israel. She's persecuted by Satan during that time. We see the two witnesses uh, who, um, you know, clearly are representative of, if if they're not literally Moses and Elijah, they seem to have the same abilities and, and essentially ministry um, during that period of time. Israel becomes the focus, and, and I guess if I can add a very subjective additional element uh, when you read Revelation 6 through 19 it just reads like the Old Testament I mean it's it's clearly a return to a uh, you know to a different uh, approach and, and focus and all that kind of thing so now the rapture of the church now I, I mentioned all that because when it comes to the second coming the end of that 70th week uh, ushers in the return of Christ the establishing of his kingdom all that kind of thing there are lots of things that happen and have to happen prior to the return of Christ. In other words, he, he, he won't just return and establish his kingdom today because there are too many things that, that the Bible describes that have to happen. The rapture, on the other hand, which is described in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18, uh, describes not the Lord returning to the earth, but describes us being snatched away. Now, this takes us back to the earlier um, discussion of this concept of the falling away. In in the terms that are used in uh, both uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 and also in uh, 1 Timothy 4, there again seems to be, we can't be super hard dogmatic on this, but there seems to be this idea of, um, of, of this just departing, like people are leaving something behind. Uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, one of the terms used there uh, carries with it kind of the idea of like even divorcing and that kind of thing. So it's there seems to be applied this volition on the part of the one who's departing. Whereas in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this idea of being caught up or snatched away, harpazo is, uh, or harpazo gamathea, I think is the actual term used there, but the root harpazo speaks of being violently snatched away, pulled out. Uh, this isn't something that those who are snatched away do. It's something that happens to them or to us uh, as believers. So I think we're talking about a different kind of thing, but the rapture itself is also a separate event. Uh, this is now where the Lord doesn't return to the earth, but rather instead he catches us up to meet him in the air. Uh, this is also described in part in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 58. And so when we see these things happening here, it's important for us to distinguish between these two events. Um, now, when it comes to the rapture of the church, there, there is no prerequisite event. There is no necessary event that has to take place prior to the church being raptured away. There are those who place the rapture of the church at different points based on, you know, their understanding of various passages. For example, uh, the pre-wrath view would hold that the rapture of the church will happen uh, just beyond the midway point in the tribulation period or the 70th week of Daniel. Um, I don't, I don't hold that view, but even in that view, uh, I would argue that it's hard to make a case that some things have to happen for the rapture of the church to have uh, to take place. Um, I think the rapture of the church is very much and is intended to be taken very much like the concept of the bride and the bridegroom in a traditional Jewish wedding. Uh, the bride 
uh, the bride and the bridegroom, when they became of marrying age, they were betrothed together. And when they became of marrying age, the bridegroom would go and begin to prepare a place for his bride. Uh, he would go and he'd begin to build onto the house and get everything ready. And meanwhile, the bride would be getting herself ready. She would live in this constant state of preparedness, not knowing when the time would come, when the father would look at this structure that the, that the son had built on and, and decided it was ready, then he could now go get his bride. And then he would come with uh, his entourage and there would be this blowing of trumpets and fanfare it would be this glorious thing that people in town would begin to celebrate. And of course the bride would be ready to, you know, had been constantly prepared, ready to go. And now the day had come and here she is, he comes to get her and sweeps her off her feet as it were. I think that that picture is exactly what the rapture is intended to be seen like. Uh, as the bride of Christ, we don't know when the bridegroom is coming, but he has gone to go and prepare a place for us that where he is, we might also be. And there's all kinds of other things that feed into this, this image, this model. And so that when it comes to the rapture, I do hold an imminent view. I think Jesus could come at any moment. And that's not just something that I just sort of say. That's something that I really believe and live in every day. I really, I, I really do believe he could come. And I'm expecting him to come before I finish recording this. I mean, that, that's, that's how real that is to me. Now, there are those that would poo-poo the idea of an imminent rapture because they say it causes people to become sort of lazy and say, well, if Jesus could come at any minute, then why bother investing in anything uh, here in the world today in ministry or doing anything? Why not just sit and wait? Um, I, don't, I don't get that argument, really. I mean, I guess maybe there are people that are like that. I've never thought that. I've thought quite the opposite. Like, if, if Jesus could be coming at any moment then I want to be doing something like this. You know, I want to be preaching. I want to be doing something that, uh, you know, hand on the plow when he comes. I, I've, I've never sort of thought that, well, he can come at any minute, so I guess I'll just sit around and wait. I, the scriptures certainly don't teach that kind of thing, and it's just never occurred to me to be something, an attitude to take. Uh, on the other hand, if we don't think the rapture is happening or is not happening until certain events take place, then I could see where that would sort of feed into a, a mindset of, well, I guess I'll just, you know, start getting ready when the signs start showing up and that kind of thing. But if you believe he's coming at any moment, then, you know, you'd think you'd be wanting to be ready for it. Plus, if you're, if the image of a bride comes into play, what kind of a bride sitting around not waiting for a bridegroom to come? That doesn't demonstrate a whole lot of love, you know? So anyway, so I, I do hold an imminent view. Now, the second question that comes up is from Debbie, and this has to do with the falling away. If it, me if it is meant to be taken as a departing from the faith, does that mean, or does that not create a prerequisite, I should say, to the rapture? That's a very good question. In other words, if we have to wait for a, an apostasy, a falling away to take place, doesn't that mean that the rapture won't happen until we see that happen? In other words, it kind of creates a prerequisite that sort of like what I was just saying. It's like, well, we don't really have to start thinking about the rapture until we see that happen? Well, that's a very, very fair question. That's a very good question. Um, the reason I would say, no, it doesn't create a prerequisite is because uh, there has always been some level of apostasy in the church. Even in Paul's own time, he names people that fell away from the faith and that kind of thing. And so, you know, the, the real question is not, is there not constantly apostasy or falling away? But to what degree does it happen where it fulfills that? You know, uh, we don't, we certainly don't know. We certainly don't have any idea what that looks like. Um, as it turns out, we are um, 
living in a time where uh, very clearly there is an apostasy taking place. There is very clearly a departing from the faith. Um, you know, whether it's through the progressive movement within the church, uh, whether it's through something as simple as just um, watering down the gospel or changing it, you know, people departing from teaching even just the word of God in a general sense. Uh, many churches are much more caught up in just sort of entertaining the goats rather than feeding the sheep, you know, and so um, there certainly is a much higher degree of departing taking place today, but I would argue that's been going on for a very long time. As a matter of fact, in our old church in Illinois, um, our pastor had interviewed, um, oh gosh, there were two people that wrote, wrote books during that time, Ray Youngin and uh, Brian Flynn. I think Ray Youngin's book was called The Time of Departing, and I remember having both of these books years ago. I lent them out at some point, never got them back, but but they were they were speaking about this very thing then, you know, uh, that was 20, 25 years ago, something like that. So um, apostasy in the church falling away has been going on the entire time. I think really when when uh, you know when we see this in scripture, like in Second Thessalonians two, uh, it may be more a question of it being to a far greater degree. But of course, we don't really have the means to measure to what degree that is. We just know that it's apparently going to be something significant. Um, but again, we don't really specifically know. So to, to, to see that as a prerequisite might be pushing it a little bit because how can we measure when it's enough apostasy to fulfill that? So, um, uh, but a great, great question. It, it's a very fair question. One last question that came up uh, separately in regard to another uh, video, but kind of touches on this as well. Uh, has to do, and this is from uh, Mark, and this has to do with the rapture connect, being potentially connected with uh, the feasts of Israel. Since other element, uh, since other uh, significant events like uh, are connected with feasts of Israel, for example, like the Passover or Pentecost, uh, we see these feasts in the Old Testament having direct correlation to events uh, in and around Christ's. Uh, crucifixion and resurrection and and uh, the outcome uh, the outpouring of the holy spirit and such um so does the rapture have a an equivalent feast connection that's a good question actually there's a friend of mine who i'm on my way to have breakfast with right now as a matter of fact who is kind of expert in this he really spends a lot of time in this and uh um and 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 he would hold the view that that it, it very likely would um my my, while I think that that's possible, um, I think that, again, I hold an imminence view, so I, that tends to lead me away from thinking that it, it has to happen on a feast day, because that means that every time that feast comes and goes, like the Feast of Trumpets, for example, or, you know, in, in the Fall Feast, for example, as Mark mentions here in his, his uh, question, every time that comes and goes, you're left thinking, okay, well, I guess it's going to be another year before the Lord returns. And I just, I just don't get the sense that in Scripture there's ever an encouragement to be of the mindset that my master delays is coming. You know, I think that there's always an encouragement to be ready. Uh, and so um, I think it could be connected with the fall feasts. And, and frankly, I think it would be pretty cool. And it would seem to follow based on the other uh, connected feasts with, with uh, the events in Christ's life and, and beyond in that. Um, but... I personally don't think so. Um, you know, as, as the feasts come up that potentially correlate, 
I keep hoping I'm wrong and maybe it's coming like, you know, like really soon. But, but even still, I think that, um, you know, I'm about to pull up and, and meet uh, my friend for breakfast and I'm hoping the rapture happens before I get the keys out of the car, you know? So anyway, uh, for what it's worth, I think there's potential for that to be the case. I think it totally is possible, but I'm just personally not of the mindset that that is. I think, I think uh, again, the rapture is an imminent event uh, that could happen at any time. And so therefore we should always be ready. So there you go. Um, thought I would take a stab at a couple of questions that came through. Hopefully that was instructive and helpful. And um, certainly if you have any questions or thoughts or comments or anything like that, we always want to encourage you to leave them on our comment section on our YouTube channel. Uh, or if you want to email me at info at, uh, info at calvarychapelfranklin.com, uh, we'll, we can take your questions there as well. Uh, if you're uh, in the area and you want to come pay us a visit on a Sunday morning, we'd love to meet you. So come on out. And uh, we meet in Franklin on Sunday mornings. We have a separate and different uh, meeting location on Wednesday nights for the time being. Uh, but you can see both of those addresses on our website at calvarychapelfranklin.com. So thanks for joining. Thanks for watching and listening. And uh, look forward to posting again uh, in, uh, uh, soon. And until then, may the Lord bless and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace forever.